Good morning, everybody. How you doing today? Awesome, man. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us today. Thank you, thank you. Um, if this is your first time here, man, you are our special guest. Uh, if it's your first time at church in a long time, like, thank you for coming here today. It's always a little bit of an uphill battle um, just for anyone, but I know just being able to come be a part of a different culture, maybe you're from a different denomination, Maybe you're from a different religion. Maybe you just were like, man, I really feel like I need to go to church. I was just driving by and, or maybe you took a wrong turn, whatever it might be. It always feels like an uphill battle uh, to get here and then to be a part of what's gonna happen. You know, I mean, you got random people standing up during the middle of a song and raising their hands and should I stand up too? Or is it make me more spiritual or not spiritual? Am I not, you know, all those kind of things. And honestly, that's not it at all for us. What we believe is that uh, worship for us is coming here together um, as a collective congregation. And we are just out of the overflow of the gratitude of our hearts. We express ourselves to God and say, thank you, you are worthy. And so it's just, we just can't help it. Just very similar to when you go to a ball game or you go, something great happens in your family or, or maybe honestly that you're having a tough week. Uh, it, it just, it, it's okay to just sit there. Um, I'm not saying that if you raise your hands or you don't raise your hands, it's any difference. It's just the matter, it's the matter that we, we feel free to express ourselves to God because he's worthy. And if it means raising our hands, man, we wanna do that. I mean, we also have dancing and snakes in the back, but if you need it, I'm just kidding, we don't have that. Um, but we just want you to know that we love Jesus and we love God, and because of that, we love local as well, and that's the series that we're in. Our pastor is away this morning. He's preaching in Mississippi, and so you guys can be praying for him um, as he's away. He's gonna be back next week, though, so you guys come back and make sure and give him a warm welcome. But we had Cameron and Johnny and Big John all come and give the message. And man, I'm grateful for those guys. Did you guys enjoy them and appreciate them? Yeah, give them a hand. They, did, they really did an awesome job. And so uh, we're excited this, for this series, Love Local. And really what that Love Local means. So back uh, a few years ago, that Love Local word, uh, the wording just kind of popped up because what we were trying to do is the people were just going like, hey, instead of buying from these big organizations like these big Wally Worlds and ta Targets and Amazon Primes and all that kind of stuff, hey, let's, let's shop local and support people in our community. And let's raise commerce here, the mom and pops, the people who are here, and let's, let's show love to them. And so there was an initiative around that. And so we're not trying to steal that from them. We recognize that would happen. But ultimately, at the end of the day, churches sometimes try to make themselves bigger and different and weird and creative and all this kind of stuff like they thought everything up. But really, we want, what we, we want you to know is that we want to partner with our community. We want to help our community. Jeremiah 29, 11, it was like God was telling his people who were in exile, he was like, hey, listen, I know that they killed your families and you're in exile and they, uh, and they brought you into this foreign land. But what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to build your homes. I want you to build your businesses. I want you to have successful uh, businesses. And in their success, you'll find success. And so there's really just no excuse for us to be able to, to love people and to help our community and all the businesses and all the people that are around here in doing that with God's love. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series is how are we going to love local? So this week we're going to talk about loving God. Next week we're going to talk about loving our neighbor. And the next week we're going to talk about what it means to love one another. But what does it mean to love God is what we're going to talk about today. It's just the, the blocking and the tackling of our faith. All right. So, uh, 
Jesus was talking to uh, these religious leaders and they said to him, they said, hey, they're trying to trick him. They're like, hey, so what's the greatest commandment? Huh? And they were trying to figure out how they're gonna prioritize it. And Jesus said, well, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. With these two uh, commandments, depends all the law and the prophets. Everything hinges on those things. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So there's no question that we are to love. In fact, Jesus took it all the way to the cross, right? He upped the ante. He was without sin and he loved his neighbor. He loved well. So what we get a chance to do is to look at that. Hey, what does it look like? Uh, why do we love God? And then what does it look like to love God is what we're going to look at today. So if you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 through 19. The big idea for today, while you're changing there, 1 John 4, 10 through 19 is what we're going to look at. It's page 694 on the Bible and the seat back in front of you. So if you want to pull that out and use that, um, that's there for you today. You can even take it home with you if you need it. But the big idea for today is loving God costs everything, but is infinitely work, worth it. Loving God costs everything, but is infinitely worth it. Right, what we were just talking about with Jesus. Like that's the, the ultimate example of that. So let's read what 1 John has to say. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. All right, so there's a lot to this passage. And what I love about this passage, what some people wouldn't love about this passage. So there's a certain thing that like, you know, we, we see in the gospels and we see in Paul's letters that there's just this like methodical way of going about that. Well, 1 John is not written in that way. 1 John is written as poetry. And uh, the type of poetry is called amplification. And it's not linear, it's not logical. Um, it's just these concepts that are kind of put together in this uh, amplified form. And so it kind of helps me because I kind of preach a little bit of everywhere too. I like that. And so even if you look at 1 John right before this, you see, here are the major concepts that we're looking at. God, love, one another, and knowing, okay? Or 
knowing, love, God, one another. I mean, like, right, you see how it kind of goes back and forth. It's like this whimsical dance of these four things that we see. But what we do know in this, what we do know in this is that it's clear that if you do not love, you do not know God. It's clear, if you do not love, you do not know God. And so what, what is it about love? Like, what is love? Again, let's, great question. Let's look at that first verse, verse 10, that we just read. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the first thing that we recognize is love is not that we do anything, it's that God loved us. That's what love is. That's the first thing that we have to recognize is that God loved us. God loves us. And he's, how did he do that? And how did he show himself in that way? He sent Jesus as the atoning sacrifice. Some people's translations might say propitiation, which just means that God was appeased by Jesus. He was satisfied by Jesus and his sacrifice. Like that, that in the Old Testament, there was a blood covering that was required for that if there was a sin, there was anything that was wrong, there was a blood covering. Well, in the same way, Jesus was that covering for us. It's like it washed away our sins. Maybe you've seen that before. But propitiation is, uh, God is satisfied in that. So this past week, um, my wife had her 40th birthday. Woo, woo! There she is over there. So everybody needs to make sure that they say happy birthday to her. Welcome to the club, babe. It's awesome. The 40s are amazing. I've been there all one year. So in that, we were going to go with her twin sister. She's a twin. And we were going to go to Mexico. We were going to celebrate that. And so we got up on Monday at really, really early. And we got on the plane. And we were off. And we were ready to rock and roll. Well, we got to Houston, which was a connecting flight, turned our phones back on, and it was like ding, 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 you know, like already at about 7.45 in the morning. And I got a text from my mom that said, I don't know what to do. Penny has jumped the fence. Penny is my dog, okay? She has jumped the fence, and she found a skunk. And she has been playing with the skunk for the last 45 minutes. It has been in her mouth. It has sprayed her multiple times. She won't let it go. What do I do? I don't know what to do. Now, if you know my mom, she is like the sweetest, nicest, gentlest, most compassionate lady, but she's tough as nails. I mean, she does, from the time she gets up at four o'clock in the morning to the time she goes to bed at 10 o'clock at night, she doesn't sit down. She is constantly going, doing, she can kill snakes. She can cook a, me, uh, a mean meatloaf and mashed potatoes. I mean, she is, I mean, I, she is uh, like Wonder Woman. And, and so I am like, okay, my mom doesn't know what to do. This is weird to me because normally my mom wouldn't do that. So I, I call her, doesn't answer. I call my brothers and like, hey, will somebody help? Because I only have a little bit of time. And so I'm like, will somebody help me? What if she goes, uh, my brother goes, I just got off the phone with mom. She's crying. She doesn't know what to do. She feels responsible. You need to fix this. I'm like, okay. So then I call my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm so sorry. And we start to work this out. Well, it's so weird. Like, you know, 
in the same time, Melissa's twin sister, her daughter broke her arm and they end up having to get back on a flight and she's talking and she's crying, having to get back on a flight to go back home so she can't actually be there with us. So I'm sitting here talking this, I'm trying to figure out what to do. There's a certain part of me that like a dog's a dog, so just let him go. But then I'm thinking about my wife, it's her birthday, I'm thinking about my daughters and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like trying to figure out how we're gonna fix it. I don't know what I'm gonna do, right? So the whole way to Mexico, I try to figure out something, but my brothers are gonna try to help me. The whole way to Mexico, I'm like, okay, I guess like this is gonna be okay. I don't really know, right? And so the whole time I'm thinking, so I, call, I, I, I finally get to Wi-Fi that afternoon, late afternoon, and I finally get to call my mom. And I'm like thinking of all the things that I'm gonna say in my mom, because my mom, because I'm like, she doesn't need to be crying. So I'm like, hey mom, hey, how are you doing? She goes, I am so sorry, I didn't mean to. I was just scared, I didn't know what to do. And I just, I've done this, and I've, I've taken care of her. I put her here, and I've bathed her like four times, and I bought this gun, and she just starts going on and on about how she's gonna, like, she's trying to fix the problem and how she's sorry for it. And I'm sitting there in my mind, and, and she won't let me talk, and I'm like, mom, it's, okay. no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm the one that dropped the dog off. My dog was the one that jumped over and got the skunk. Like, what are you talking about? And the point of that story for me is this, is like, my mom, she cannot not love me. I mean, there's nothing I can do that my mom's not going to love me. It's just kind of who she is to try to make it right, whatever the situation is. Whenever at me, I would have been like, you know, if it was a flip coin, I mean, with anybody else but my mom, I would be like, no, what are you doing? I'm, I let the dog in the street, go find somebody, to go pick him up, you know? Um, but my mom, she loves me and she can't help but love me. In the same way, that is, that is the father's love. That's what propitiation is. It's not expiation, which expiation is to take something away, which is great. It's God, Jesus took away the sin, but propitiation means that God is for us. Not only did he take away the sin, but he is for us in sending us a sacrifice. God loves you in that way. That's how much he loves you. So your first point is this. God cannot not love you. English teachers, I'm sorry. It's not school. It's not started yet. The double negative there, but it just fits. Because it, God doesn't make sense half the time. Because God is fully holy, but he's fully loving. So at the end of the day, to me, what makes sense is that God cannot not love us. And I don't know why, but I just know as I look and I see that sacrifice, that man, he sent his only son, the most valuable thing to be the sacrifice, the, the covering, the atonement for our sin. It doesn't mean that God doesn't, his love doesn't look different to different people. So like if you look at whenever he was talking in John chapter 17, he was talking to God, but he was talking about his disciples. This is what he said. His disciples loved him. His disciples followed him. And this is what he said in 17 verses 9. He says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those who you, who you have given me, for they are yours. See, there are people who God calls his own. There are people who have been, uh, what it says in earlier in John, have been born again. There are people that uh, have a new start in Christ because uh, they have been chosen by God. Well, how do we get chosen by God? I mean, a lot of people think it's because you're trying to be perfect. If you can be perfect, if you start doing the right things, then God's going to love you. But we see Peter, 
who is one of the ones that God loved so dearly as well. He, Peter, one time, Jesus was predicting that uh, Peter was going to deny him. And this is what Jesus said to him. He says, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fall. But when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So it has nothing to do with what we do. It has everything to do with who God is and that he loved us first. But there's something about Peter because Peter loved God. Peter, he, he confessed God. And that's really, that, if you're wanting to know, that's what it says in the next verses. If you look in verses 15, well, how do we get that kind of love? How do we get that treatment from God in that love? Well, this is what he says. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. The love of God is there. It is for you. He cannot not love you. But how do we come to know and to believe that love that God has for us? We come to know and to believe that love by confessing Jesus. By confessing that Jesus is the Son of God. That by Jesus, we confess that Jesus is the Lord, the Master, the Savior of our life. That we trust in Jesus. We confess that Jesus is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. That's what it means to confess so that we can gain in our knowledge and gain in our belief. There's an action. There's an outward expression. There's an overflow. And that overflow paints a picture of Jesus. So we got to Mexico, and we were just like, whew, this is supposed to be fun, but now her twin's not even there. I have no idea what's going on with the dog because I haven't got the Wi-Fi yet. And we're standing there, and we're just kind of looking at each other, and we're just standing there waiting for our bags to come in, and she grabs her bag, and I'm sitting there waiting, and I'm being patient. And we just, like in a daze, like, what's going on? It's supposed to be vacation. And we wait. And I look around and nobody's around and there's no bags left. And Melissa's like, do you think we should go check and see if your bag's somewhere else? And I'm like, I'm just being patient. The bag's going to come, right? Nothing. No bag. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I begin to think, right? All the things that I need that are in that bag. I mean, I got to buy a new Speedo now, you know? Just kidding. You don't have to buy a new Speedo. Do not buy a Speedo, right? But I was thinking, I mean, I got to have pants. I got to have close-toe shoes. I got to like, all these, I mean, and it's not just like for a couple days. It was like four or five days. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I totally feel unprepared. 
And it's something that I need. I mean, my wife was like, you can borrow my clothes. And I'm just looking at her like, this is, if it wasn't your birthday, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Like, because I, I really didn't know what to do. And I feel like many times that's very similar to what we do with Christ. In our confession with Christ, do we even, do the people who we work with, do we, do we in our families, our friends, do they know that we confess Jesus? Not that we just like kind of love God or that we go to church, but like that we confess Jesus is the Lord and the Savior of our life, that it costs everything. But we believe that it's, we, that it's infinitely, infinitely important. It's infinitely worth it. Do people know that about you, that you confess Jesus in that? Why is that important? Because that's actually how we experience the love of God. We take off our old self and we put on a new self in Christ. That's what it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. For through faith, you all are sons of God in Christ Jesus. For those of you who were baptized into Christ, you have been clothed with Christ. Isaiah says, he clothed me in righteousness. Job says, I put on righteousness and justice was like a robe. Like there's, there's this, this putting on of Christ's righteousness that prepares us, that helps us be able to, to share the testimony of God's goodness in our life. If we don't share in that, then is there any goodness? Is there any love? This is the scripture. This is the foundation. This is the blocking and the tackling of our faith. It's somewhat humbling to, to, it stings a little bit to think about it, even in my life as a pastor. But I want you to sit, I want you to hold down, I, I want you to know right now there's many people in this room who are trying to count maybe, do I talk about Jesus? Do people know if I have Jesus? And I think really what it does, it puts us in two different categories. It puts us in maybe either we're just being passive or we've been paralyzed for some reason. But we must clothe ourselves in the same way you put the full armor of God on it prepares us for the day. Many times we think, well, I come to church. Well, it's, like, it's like you putting on clothes for one day and then walking around naked and susceptible for the rest of the week. It's like, do we remain in God? That's the challenge that we have through John. So my second point is this, let Jesus out of the bag. God cannot not love us, but ultimately, if we put Jesus in a category in our bag and we just kind of have that in some of the and we pull him out when we need him, it, we're not going to be clothed in the righteousness we need. It's like we accept Christ, man, we get his righteousness and we've been atoned for, but there's also another part to it that we're being sanctified, that we're being made right, that we're being made new, that we're actually having a testimony in our life because when we remain in God, we remain in him and then we love, therefore we're going to love one another. So do we let Jesus out of the bag? Let's go on to verse 18. Go down to verse 18. It says, there is no fear in love. Instead, a perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. There is no fear in love. And I kind of have a hard time with the fear thing because there's, there's different facets to that. I was 
at a retreat uh, this past summer, th in this summer, and I was working with an organization called Lighthouse Ministries. Uh, there's some people in our church, uh, Kim and Clint Smith, who they have helped start a chapter, and they're kind of championing uh, this ministry here in DFW. It's a ministry based out of Atlanta, but they have more families who have kids with cancer. That's who they're supporting. That's who they're loving. They have more families that are now that they're supporting that actually in the DFW area, so they're trying to build up a bigger support system for them. And so it's a, it's a faith-based organization, but the kids and the families who are a part of this, uh, they don't, they're, they're not necessarily faith-based. They're all from different walks of life. They just need a support system to be able to help them. And so Lighthouse helps them. And so I got to go to one of the retreats that they did and to see them in action. Um, and one of the families that was there, there was a, a boy who was 17, which was kind of older for, that, uh, for their group. And they all kind of get together and they love each other. And their, their kids, like, you bring families from your church to go and serve alongside and kind of love those families for the week. And so there's kids that are serving kids. But this one kid who's 17, uh, he found out that he had cancer this past uh, spring. And it was after football practice one day. In fact, he uh, was a running back in Atlanta, and he was on the fringe of really being one of the top recruits in, uh, in the Atlanta school districts. And so he, uh, he was, went after practice, his side was hurting, went into the doctor. And the doctor diagnosed him with four, uh, stage four cancer all in his insides, all the way up to the back of his brain. And so this, this kid and his family were there and they were just normal kids and just having fun and talking and all this kind of stuff. But at one point the kid got to kind of tell his story and he said uh, his family was faith-based and they believed in, in Christ. And he said, um, he said, you know, at first I thought I was training in my life to be able to play college at the next level. And he said, what I didn't realize is that I was training to save my life because I can do all things through Christ who can give me strength. This gentleman had two years of chemo in six months. They were giving him, when he was there, he passed out and then he came back, uh, there was like doing this little talent show that night and he came back and he was like helping with the talent show and like he was, he'd had a little talent in that and stuff too. And his demeanor and his, his countenance just said, like, I'm going to fight this, there's hope. And I could, I put myself in the parent's shoes and I was just like, man, how do you do that? Like, how do you be strong for your kids? And if you heard the number, you know, the number one thing that the parents were saying in the midst of this is like, why would God allow this to happen? And that changed from why did God this allow this to happen? Like, what exactly, what did I do? Like, what did I do to deserve this? And then it turned into guilt. Like, I shouldn't have ever done this. I shouldn't have ever done this. I can't believe I did this. And it turned into this guilt and this shame. And it reminds me of Psalm 130, verses 3. It says, Lord, if you should mark my iniquities, Lord, who could stand for but with you? Oh, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. 
and what people need to know, what they needed to know is that there is forgiveness in the Lord. The reason that we fear the Lord, right? It says that perfect love drives out all fear. Well, 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 if that's the case, then why should we have fear? Well, in Proverbs, in one, it says, fear the Lord. Fearing the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then in verse nine, in chapter nine, it says, fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So why would we fear the Lord when it says perfect love casts out all fear? Because fear begins and ends with the Lord. So why would we fear the Lord? Why would we do that? Well, because if we don't, then what we would do in our nature is we would take the credit for everything. We would build ourselves up. Many people are, you know, are born on third base and it, thinking that they hit a triple. But at the same time, we know that at any moment, at any twinkle, that t life and time can change. And it can be so different. So when we fear the Lord, it keeps us in this place of humility. It keeps us in a place a humbleness and of joy where we can withstand the ups and downs of life. Why? Because loving God costs everything, but it's infinitely worth it. We believe that God we fear him because he is completely holy. But we also fear him because he, there is forgiveness of sin in the blood of Jesus. That's why it's important. My last point is this. God counts hairs, not sins. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, it said that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Matthew 10.30 says, but even the hairs of your head have all been counted. There was a lady at our church who on Mother's Day, she went uh, to the Mother's Day weekend, she went to one of our downtown ministries and she was serving there and she gave a gentleman uh, some money to go get an, IV, an ID. <laughs> and she said, uh, I don't normally give this, I don't do this, but I mean, I'm not your mother, but I want to do something motherly for you and give you uh, this money so you can get an ID. So she went back a couple weeks later and she said that she came back and the gentleman came up to him and she goes, hey, I got my ID and actually I got a job, so thank you so much. And she's like, oh, that's so great. I'm so glad that you got a job with that, you know? She said, I went back a couple weeks later after that. She saw him again. She goes, I got a job and I got my own apartment. And she's like, I want you to come see it. And so she went with him to the apartment. In fact, she gathered a bunch of her friends together and they got some stuff for his apartment and they helped him furnish the apartment and get going again. And I thought, man, what a great story of thinking about the life change that happened in that guy. And I think what happens sometimes if we start to fear, live in our own fear, then we start to make excuses for things and we don't see how it's going to add up. But the more that we put fear in the Lord and we trust him and we claim to live in Jesus, we live and we walk like Jesus, and we love people like Jesus, our heart becomes more sensitive to the things that Jesus can do. Like the, 
that who he is and who God is and what he does and how he does it. And we don't try to, to get to the end of it. But we just love people because God knows their numbers of hairs on their head. He loves them in that way.